0: that, my friends, was the sound of me being born where this story begins. You are now listening to the first episode of the brand new Joy Sequence podcast. I've never really thought about doing a podcast before because I can't particularly stand the sound of my own voice. However, recently a few people have said to me, why have you not got a podcast? And I suppose it it does seem like the, the most natural evolution of the Joy Sequence's media and here we are i'm thinking of starting this as a series at the moment i've got a set list of podcast episodes that i plan to do however if i end up having an absolute ball doing this then perhaps i will expand that more i'm thinking we'll start right at the beginning what my little journey was into the world of being a roller coaster and theme park enthusiast And then talk about how I got to the stage of being the joy sequence and making these things in my house to entertain slash scare people. I want to start right at the beginning, like literally when is the first time that I saw a roller coaster and what was going on in my head. So I thought, well, what better person to tell me this than my dad? Let's give him a call, shall we? Hello? Hello? Hello.
1: Hi. You all right? Yes. Are you? Yeah. Not so bad.
0: I'm. Um. You. You're currently on a podcast. A what pod? I'm telling a story about how I became a roller coaster enthusiast, and I wondered if you could share your memory of my first experience of a roller coaster.
1: Okay. Yeah. You mean the first time you pooed your pants in public? <laughs> <laughs> you were probably three and a half maybe probably four year old and we went to meet your auntie Allie in Blackpool because she lived there for a year after the bomb went off in Manchester oh yeah, yeah and yeah yeah it was exactly that time so probably about eight months after then or something we went to meet her and at the time not sure if it's still there but the car park for the Pleasure Beach was underneath the roller coasters oh so underneath we parked- the big one Literally yeah, I think yes.
0: I know what car park you mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we got out and there was all these metal rails and everything underneath overneath over the cars. Um and we took you into the into the pleasure beach and I just can remember your face. I just remember you stood there in absolute awe, looking around at all these roller coasters like you'd never seen before, with these carriages full of people just going flying down the tracks and round the loop de loops and round all the turns and there was screams everywhere and laughter and it was like pretty loud to be honest all the machinery and all the rails and all the chains clanging and everything that goes on roller coasters and you'd never seen it before and you we would just look at his little face and you were watching it and obviously you well, you didn't know whether to love it or hate it because it was probably pretty scary when you had when you'd never seen that kind of thing before.
0: Yeah, I imagine I was probably thinking, "What on earth is this, and why are people doing this?" Like, yeah,
1: and I'm pretty sure you were out of nappies by then, but swear to God, you actually pooed your pants, <laughs> 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 which uh, yeah, which set the uh, set the story for the next few years. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you you didn't want to go on anything that day. You probably went on. <laughs> You, you, well, they've put you on, it was a long time ago, will have put you on the little rides because you, you always used to want to go on the rockets and things outside like Tesco and, and
0: everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like um, the ones that you put like
1: 50p in and it goes up and down yeah, and, and so, plays a song. Yeah, so there was a little thrill seeker there for sure. And then come to think of it, <laughs> when we got home, all you could talk about was what you'd seen and all you wanted to do really was go back and watch it again. You never forgot it and never stopped basically talking about it. That was your first experience of roller coasters.
0: Right, so after that traumatising experience, I was then reintroduced to the roller coaster via the computer. I distinctly remember when I was a kid, my mother spent what seemed like all of her time playing Roller Coaster Tycoon. That's Roller coaster Tycoon 1, the classic one day i just kind of went over and was like what what is this what what are you playing my dad took over this conversation and explained to me that my mom had all of this plot of land and he panned around the screen to show me the the big open fields of frontier it was called frontier or something frontier no what was it called what what was it called i'm gonna have to google this i really want to remember it Forest Frontiers, that's what it was called. Considering that was the first scenario in the game, it obviously didn't sound like my mum had got very far. But anyway, I was given a tour of the plains of Forest Frontiers and my dad said, So Adam, all of this land here is for mummy to build on. She can build anything she likes, any roller coasters she likes. And I was probably thinking, what, like that thing that I saw at Blackpool, why would she want to do that? And I kind of just dismissed it and let her play her game while I, I don't know, played with my toys, pushing triangles through squares or whatever I did at that age. And over time, it kind of like pecked on my head and I started to feel really inspired by it, thinking, well, what would I I do if I had all that land and I could build anything I wanted on it? And it really piqued my interest and inspired me. And I used to sneak onto the computer to play that game. When my mum was at work, it became the absolute highlight of my day. I really would love to find those save files and see what I built all that time ago. I'd love to see how unrealistic the coasters were, how much airtime and banking they did not have. And then my mum stopped playing the game and I took over the PC and played the game to death. And then RollerCoaster Tycoon 2 came about, which it was kind of the same game, except it introduced what did it introduce it introduced a few more rides and oh that's it It introduced like the open scenario concept where you could make anything you could you could um customize a scenario so it didn't you didn't have to just play the set challenges that you had in roller tycoon one so that's when i started to bug my parents every day i want to go through the- I to go to my theme park. Because I was presumably quite small at that point, I wasn't tall enough to go on any big roller coasters. So my parents took me to Camelot. No not Camelot. Gulliver's World and that was my first ever theme park experience. It was the the northern Gullivers World, the one in Warrington. And there was a wood there still is a wooden roller coaster called the Antelope. R C D B it if you don't know it, it's a pretty basic unexciting roller coaster however at the time it was obviously petrifying for me it was it seemed like the biggest thing to overcome it was the scariest with the biggest steepest drop and i spent the whole day kind of psyching myself up to go on it uh, I remember being very, very scared of it. I think I had a few, a few um, crying fits at the station. My mum trying to get me to just go on the damn thing. And come the end of the day, my auntie kind of had a word with me and said, "Adam, you're gonna regret this if you don't go on it. Let's just go on it together. We'll be brave." And she really coached me through this experience. And got on it and I do you know I do I remember the experience of this roller coaster so clearly I remember going up the lift hole for the first time I remember going down the drop for the first time my stomach was in my mouth and I loved it absolutely loved it and as soon as I left I just wanted to go straight back home and get on rollercoaster tycoon and build something just like it and I'd say that is the thing that sparked my inner enthusiast the beginning of it all after that, we went to Morecambe. There was a uh, there was like an amusement park there. I think it was called Morecambe Pleasureland or something like that and there was a wooden roller coaster there called Texas Cyclone. That was the next big roller coaster that I overcame. Uh, and at this point I'd only been on wooden roller coasters and I sort of just I built up a safety where I felt I felt okay with wooden roller coasters. they weren't scaring me anymore. I could handle them. Steel meant scary. I hadn't been on any large scale steel roller coaster yet. At this point, I'd gotten tall enough as well to go on bigger things, so I, I knew it was coming. And the park we went to next in the timeline was Southport. Wait, was that called Southport Pleasureland? I don't know. Uh, It's the park where it's not there anymore. There was a big polo observation tower that was all branded to polo, which I thought looked fascinating. And Traumatizer, which was the SLC that is now Infusion at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. I don't really remember because it's all a blur. but. I actually went on Traumatizer, so that was my first ever steel roller coaster. <laughs> my first steel roller coaster was an SLC. What a way to introduce me to it. However, I remember not hating it. I remember being very scared of it, but kind of liking it. it the, my memory of it is just this blur of flying around loops with grass underneath me, because it actually used to be quite a nice looking roller coaster. It was bright red with blue supports, and it was over a very well a very nice and green patch of grass i do i do also think that infusion at blackpool looks really nice being over water i just hate the ride and i can't ride it because of my piercings it literally last time i went on it it re-pierced all of my ears i came off thinking i had blood all over me so it's just not my idea of fun. After I had braved Traumatizer, that was it then, I, I, everything was a personal challenge to me. So I went to Blackpool Pleasure Beach with my family. I got on everything, but I was too scared to ride the big one. We went to Alton Towers after that, uh, the year that Air opened. It was very magical, very exciting. I got on Air, Nemesis, Corkscrew. However, I didn't brave Oblivion. So, at this point in my life, I had two main fears to overcome. It was the big one and oblivion. Fast forward a few years, there was a school trip to Alton Towers. I was obviously absolutely overjoyed and I saw it as the time that I have to overcome oblivion. And I remember looking at it and looking at it and being so scared of it, thinking I will never go on that. And I remember the feeling of being so confident that I will never go on it because I just can't do that to myself. But... I did go on it. I don't know whether it was peer pressure from my friends or myself, but I did go on it and I remember every second of it, that drop was the most horrendous thing I'd ever experienced at that point. And um, a few years later after that, I went back to Blackpool Pleasure Beach and I got on the big one. And I also thought that was one of the most horrible experiences of my life. And I still do. And then after all this i went to uni to study graphic design and i kind of fell out of being obsessed with theme parks constantly and i got into uni life more going out partying so it kind of went to the back of my mind a bit and i didn't go to a theme park for quite a few years or even think about roller coasters and a couple of years after uni i had the opportunity to go to thought park which is a park I'd never been to before, but somewhere when I was a kid, I always looked at and thought looked fascinating like this far away exotic theme park. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I was like, it's like I was re scared of everything again. It probably is because I hadn't been for so long, but I remember being scared of everything. Like, the sight of the swarm was terrifying, and obviously, I, I went on everything because I kind of I'd got past that. Like, I'm not gonna go on that, but. I was really scared. And I just remember, you know, the inversion before it does the, the sweep down, really technical language, how it slowly turns you upside down. I remember gripping on for dear life thinking, oh my God, I do not like this. I mean, now I'm kind of, I'm back in the swing with it. I go to parks quite regularly. So I, I that, that's great. I love that kind of stuff, hang time and whatnot. I'd be the first there to have my arms up screaming. Oh my God, I remember being so scared and stealth ruined me. I, that, like, I'd previously been on Rita, and I've always been a person that's found Rita to be one of the most intense roller coasters at Oton Towers. I don't know what it is, but that launch, it feels like an illegal like, amount of acceleration. Like the body should not be able to withstand that kind of ridiculous force. A lot of people I speak to don't feel this way. They just think, oh yeah, it's fast. It just goes really, really fast. But I feel like it, it literally, I could pass out with how fast it goes. It pushes every piece of my, every organ of my inside, right to the back of my head, my eyeballs are pushed against the back of my skull. It's ridiculous. But then stealth took this to a whole new level. I expected the launch to be like Rita, so I braced for it. And then it was indescribably faster than Rita. It felt more forceful. I felt like my eyeballs were going to burst at the back of my head. And I left that trip feeling a little bit disheveled and scared of roller coasters again. But I I sort of stayed with it. I I did, I reignited the passion and the love for theme parks. So I made a few more trips to Alton Towers, to Blackpool. And then not long after that, I made a trip to Flamingoland, which is a park that I had not been to before either. And I loved everything there. I thought it was so much fun. Nothing particularly terrified me. Everything just thrilled me. I think Mumbo Jumbo is a very underrated coaster. It looks like a Kinex construction and it's really good fun to ride. It, it does some really unexpected turns and some strange banking. There's there's, a, there's an inversion which holds you upside down for a, a bit longer than you would expect it to. I uh, remember the first drop being quite quite intense. I only actually went on this once and from that one experience, I was I, it stuck with me because I thought it was actually a really impressive and different quirky roller coaster. Another park that I'd forgotten, uh, I went to quite a bit, is um, Lightwater Valley. My parents used to drive me there quite a lot. We used to go as a family with my mom, dad and sister. My parents made so many theme park trips with me when I was younger. God bless them because if it wasn't for them and if it wasn't for my mom playing Rollercoaster Tycoon, then who knows if I would actually be so mad about them and have so much love for theme parks. Would it have found its way anyway or if you think about the genetic and environmental i I don't think it's genetic Uh, uh, i don't know maybe on some level it's genetic to be more of a thrill seeker but is it genetic to be a theme park enthusiast now we're talking about really interesting stuff are we genetic were we born this way So that's the story of my childhood and my journey into being an enthusiast. Now let's talk about The Joy Sequence and the journey of how that began. I have already spoken about this in depth on an interview video that I did that you can find on my YouTube channel, The Joy Sequence, or on my website, thejoysequence.com, and on a couple of other people's podcasts that have invited me on as well. To put it simply, I got a new house with an empty garage, I had all of my family coming over for Christmas for a nice big gathering and I wanted to make it the best Christmas they've ever had so I decided to get creative and make a horror maze in my garage. I didn't want it to seem like the most random and pointless thing ever so I thought about what I could do that would relate to it being Christmas and I looked into some old folklore stories regarding Christmas and came across the Krampus. The Krampus is essentially the anti-Santa. So we all know that Santa comes to those who are good at Christmas and, you know, comes down the chimney, gives them presents, has a mince pie and bogs off. The Krampus comes at Christmas to punish the people that have been bad. So I thought this was the perfect story to form my first attraction. I suppose at the time, I didn't realize it would be my first because I thought maybe it would be my only. I didn't really see beyond at that point. When I think about it, it seems like the inevitable outcome when I think about all the different ingredients of myself. This sounds really pretentious, bear with me. I studied graphic design at uni. I spent a lot of my childhood making homemade films with my sister, specifically horror films. I spent a lot of my teen years faffing around on my computer making music and sound effects. I like theme parks, special effects. I spend way too much time stressing about the lighting in my house, making sure that it is setting the right ambience for the right mood, for the right time of day, for the appropriate occasion. You put all those things together and what does it make? It it makes a horror attraction in my garage, or at least that's all I could see it making. I've always been such an overly creative person and I've never been able to find exactly what the right outlet is to encompass all of these different elements of creativity that i have and i figured that this kind of thing creating a sort of ambient walkthrough experience in the garage for people to come to would be perfect because i could do the design and the theming and the branding for the attraction the sounds the animated graphics on like pre-shows and advertisements and teasers i could of course get the lighting to be exactly how i wanted it to be I could make the soundtrack for it. So that gave me something to do in terms of making music. I could make a film to show off the event and that gave me something to do in terms of filmmaking. So it basically hit all of these little creative things that I wanna do. It just pushes them all together into one project. And that's what I decided to do. I decided to get everyone to come around to my house. It was gonna be a Christmas celebration with a twist. I was going to use all of these things, put it all together into one package and experience and get everyone to walk through it and be scared. And that's what I did. And that is how the grotto came to be. The first attraction that I did at home. But the grotto is going to be for next episode. And as I think I've covered my childhood, how I became an enthusiast and how the joy sequence came to be... I'm going to now turn it back to you and answer some questions that have been sent. Hannah asks, How old were you when you first realised being an enthusiast was a concept? For the vast majority of my child and teen years, I kind of thought I was just a bit of a freak and I was all alone with this, with, with this love for roller coasters. I didn't know anyone else that liked them as much as I did no one at school wanted to talk about them to the depth and absolute detail that I could talk about them. And everyone in my family basically just said, oh, he's coaster mad, as if it was some, like, absolute freak concept. However, there was one video cassette that I had. It was like an old late 90s video. Um, And it was, it had Andy Hine and he did a sort of countdown of the top 10 biggest thrills in the country and at that point like the absolute brand new shiny thrill machine was nemesis or was it oblivion it was oblivion because i think this video came out in the year 2000 so i knew out there that there were much more established and matured enthusiasts ryan asks how many times did you get detention in school I was never particularly the naughtiest kid but i also wasn't the perfect angel either i do remember this one particular teacher who everyone was afraid of she was the scariest teacher in the school she was the kind where everyone had to line up outside the classroom in silence she would open the door to her lesson and make you walk past her one by one as you entered the classroom she would examine everything about you you know like if people's ties were too short or if the skirts were too short she would make sure that they were corrected before you were allowed in her classroom and every time it was a day after having had homework we all had to open our books on the page with the homework and she would start at the first desk and slowly snake her way around the classroom one by one looking at each pupil in the eyes and then down onto the book and if there was no homework there she would simply say detention as she put down a piece of paper (laughs) that had like detention written on or something I can't remember that sounds ridiculous but she gave people a detention token and there was an occasion where I was in said classroom with said teacher and I hadn't done my homework (laughs) and I sat at the back of the class so I had to wait for her to come all the way around she came to me and in the most calm voice she just said detention and walked over to the next people I can also remember another occasion when I got detention that was 100% undeserved. It was an accident. It was a mistake and the teacher could not see it. Basically, imagine this. I'm going to paint the scene. I was sat with my friend to my right and on my left was another person who I didn't really know and the teacher was having a conversation with the person who I didn't know on the left while I was having a conversation with my friend on the right. Me and my friend were having a good old laugh don't know what we were talking about, but we were laughing and laughing and laughing. And all of a sudden, I was stopped amidst my laughter as the teacher said, Excuse me, Adam, that is so rude. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And she says, that is rude. Get out of my classroom. And long story short, it turned out that the person that I didn't know was having a really serious conversation with the teacher about his performance in class and how he wasn't in a good place and the teacher thought that i was laughing about that conversation and i absolutely wasn't i didn't even know what they were talking about ryan also asks what food did i used to hate when i was a kid but love now tomatoes i used to hate them i used to think they were the most disgusting things ever the insides it was the goo that surrounded the pips In the crunchy shell, there was just nothing about a tomato that I liked, but these days I absolutely love them. And as a bonus answer, something that I couldn't stand when I was a child and still can't stand now, which is really annoying and inconvenient, is cheese. I just can't like cheese. I've tried so many times through my adulthood. Every time there's cheese in front of me, I'll taste it and I hate it. It makes me gag texture, the smell, the taste. I've tried all different types, even the mildest ones, because people always, people are always shocked to death whenever I tell them that I don't like cheese. Oh, you, you must like mozzarella, it doesn't taste of anything. So I try mozzarella, and ugh, Emily asks, What's something that you find annoying about theme parks? I think for me, the, through my experience of going to parks, the thing that seems to annoy me the most inside is when an effect is in place and installed on a roller coaster that really brings that roller coaster and the theater of it up miles and makes it excellent and dramatic is turned off it just makes me very sad. Jovani asks Translation. If you had to name a coaster what would it be? Now that is an interesting question because pest control my second home attraction, the concept of it actually came from a roller coaster that I invented. It was a wooden roller coaster, and the story was that the wooden roller coaster was this beloved coaster that was sadly being destroyed by termites. However, these weren't normal termites, they were some sort of alien mutated termites that were huge and scary and eating away at the wood at an impeccable pace. So an organisation called Pest Control has come in to solve the problem. And this involved four sections of the roller coaster being tunneled, you know, in that big um, pest control. What on earth do you call it? When they when they put a thing over a building to contain all the fumes, I can't remember the name of it. And there was going to be four sections of the roller coaster that were in tunnels, and each of the four tunnels was each of the four individual stages that Pest Control put in place. The zapping. Do you know what this is going to be for the Pest Control episode? <laughs> Hannah also asks, How did you begin your interaction with other enthusiasts online? So when I first made a Twitter and an Instagram, I just sort of saw it as a place that I could post my updates and kind of keep a log and portfolio of my little projects and watch them develop. I didn't really expect much to come of it. And after not that long, a few people... um following me and liking the, the stuff that I was posting and, and messaging me, being like, this looks cool. What's this that you're doing? You know, can I see more? And I actually found it really, really sweet and really motivating. It kind of gave me the inspiration to to want to do more and post more because people were actually liking it and finding it interesting. And one of the people at the very, very start of it all that used to message me talking about my projects is actually right here on the line. Hello, Owen. Hello. The reason that you're on the podcast is because I recognise you as one of my longest time followers. You uh, were one of the very first people to be interacting with the stuff that I posted on Twitter. And one of the first person to chat with me about it and show your interest in my projects. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. I believe you've got a question, a live question for me.
1: Yes. What's your favourite dark ride and why?
0: That's a great question. I love dark rides, naturally. And the answer for me is really obvious. My favourite dark ride is, without shadow of a doubt, Arthur at Europa Park.
1: Ooh, does that classify as a dark ride?
0: Of course it does. Why wouldn't it? Because it's a
1: roller coaster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you been on it? No. It, it kind of blends a roller coaster and a dark ride together, don't you think? Because it, it does have an area outside where it... Does it even coast or does it, is it powered through? The, the outside bit, the inside bit is powered. But even despite the powered, non-powered argument, what makes something a dark ride and makes something not a dark ride?
1: Well, I would. Wouldn't you classify that as a dark coaster?
0: Oh, I mean, we're just splitting hairs, surely. What would you call the Ghost Train at Blackpool? Because that it has that is a totally a dark ride. But then it comes outside and does a drop under gravity, doesn't it?
1: That's true.
0: I'm stick. I think Arthur can be classed as a dark ride, absolutely. And the reason it's my favourite is because. It's the best thing in the world. I just thought when I went on it, I just I thought it was the most magical experience ever. It was perfect from the moment you walk in. The whole ride itself is in a building and in the building is another building where the station is. You go in. There's this really ambient queue line. You go down and down into this deep station. It's got projection mapping, really good lighting, sound effects. It's it's fantastic. Brand new, state of the art Mac. What do they call it? An invert powered coaster. Yeah. It, it won an award. The ride system won an award, and I, you can I can tell why. It deserves it. It's fantastic. You sit in these supremely comfortable seats. And you're guided through scenes. The, the the chair rotates to face certain scenes. It's got fast bits. It's got loads of special effects, smoke machines, wind, excellent lighting effects. And then you go up to this really high level where you then circulate the inside of this building. Yeah. And, and there's loads of people walking around you. There's loads of like shops and stuff in this building, like a themed mall almost. And, and then you go right up to the very, very top of this building and... There's a hole in the wall and you get shot out of it at quite some decent speed. It's, it's very much a, a family ride, but it kind of pushes that in a way. I thought it was pretty thrilling and I wouldn't say intense, but it certainly wasn't boring. And you get shot out of the building into this outside area where you go through the forest and you're winding through, picking up some speed, twisting, and then you go back, back inside again. And it is just excellent all the way through. The The level of detail and the thought that's been put into every single part of this experience it's just it compares to nothing else that i've been on and to be honest you can say that a lot about europa park in general everything at the europa park is fantastic
1: thank you adam you made me really want to go to europa park and experience arthur for myself
0: i would recommend it it's really good definitely
1: thank you for having me on the podcast
0: you're welcome do you want to um anything to self-promote or do you want to give everyone your your at handle to follow you on twitter
1: Yes, you can follow me at Owen J Cornelius on Twitter.
0: So I think I've pretty much wrapped up everything there about my childhood, how the joy sequence came to be. So thank you very much for listening. And in the next episode of this podcast, I will be talking all about the grotto.